The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast episode number 61. Thank you all for listening and tuning in every week to these great maker stories. Um, If you have a maker story that you'd like to hear on this podcast or there's someone that you think is doing something really cool in terms of their business, please let us know. You can uh, find us on Facebook at Makers of MN, on Twitter, also on Instagram, and you can reach me directly at S Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, at HBI.com is my um, podcast email that you can send me an email about anything that you're excited about. Also, we do take reviews that are, you can find them on um, Stitcher, you can find them on Apple, uh, you can find them on Podcast One, anywhere that you would review your podcast. We really appreciate getting feedback and it helps us to make our podcast better. Today, we have another food podcast. I know we do a lot of food, but there's a lot happening in the maker space with food. I'm here with Sarah Hayden, and she's with Sarah's Tipsy Pies, and also her general manager, Hugh Williams. And Sarah, you've been on the Weekly Dish program before. I have, yep. Uh, Welcome to the show. You're a maker. Thanks for having us back. (laughs) Did you, when you think about your business, like, what were you doing before you just started making pies? Having babies. Yeah. So you <laughs> Growing were. babies. Yeah. You were a. Were you a stay at home mom? mom? Is yep. that fair to say? 11 years. Some people get so offended by that, but it's like, no, no that, that is the hardest job. job ever. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. So you were a stay at home mom and then you were making hand pies. At what point was it that you were like, okay, I need to do this for a business? Or was it because there was demand for them? Well, I was actually looking for a job and couldn't find anything that would fit this crazy life of mine. And then a friend of mine, at a bakery and we had talked about I missed my mom who had passed away about nine months before that right and needed to create a business and so he said let's just see if we can create a pie company for you so that's really how it started and and then from that it just kind of kind of grew I guess from rustic pies of Stillwater which were large antique recipe pies to the hand pie and what year did you start 2012 and what year gosh that's still really young in its infancy mm-hmm. Um, they say that once you've been in business five years, you're unemployable. I personally don't believe that because I had my own business for 12 years and I'm still working. But, um, when you started in 2012, obviously the business has had a lot of iterations. At what point did you hone in on this tipsy pies? And do you want to explain that for the listener? Sure. Um, it was probably about seven months into it, I believe. It was that soon. It was that soon. Yeah. Um, I had gone to a meeting and it was about how to have a business have sustainability. Like how can you make sure your business stays alive? Because it is so hard and there are a lot of great makers out there. Sure. And so it was about niching yourself. And um, at, you know, six, six and a half, seven years ago, there was a lot of the tap rooms kind of coming about and that was kind of a hot thing. And I knew I wanted to support other local companies with in my company. Yep. And so I just cold called Liftbridge and said, I want to put beer in my pie. What do you think? And they called me back. And so that's really how it all started. So the idea was, what can I do different 
to make this really great pie even greater. Can we talk about that? How did you think of beer? Like, was that just something you had made in pies before or was it? My mom used to make grasshopper pies and she, I don't know, was like, it's kind of like she probably during, it was in February. And so it was St. Patrick's Day. So I was actually online looking at recipes and there was a Guinness recipe. And it was this crazy recipe that when I made it, it was like pie and cake all combined. It was awful, kind of. I mean, frankly, it was yucky. And so I thought I could, I can do this myself. And so I just reformulated my recipe with Liftbridge. Okay. So that was the niche. Yeah. Have you read that book, There's Riches and Niches? No. It's a really interesting book. And it basically describes exactly what you just said, which is to say, if you're doing something that you know, most of the businesses that we have, they're not like these groundbreaking brand new things. They're just taking a twist on something or making it your own. And their whole concept is, is that to find the niche that you fall in is where the gold is in terms of making the money. Mm-hmm. So how many kids do you have? Five. Okay. Wow. So you have five kids. You decide you're going to start making this pie company. You're making pies. At what point did you really feel like, wow, this is a business and that it's not you just in your kitchen making these pies? Um, I think, well, I think I was on Twin Cities Live. Yeah. And um, after it aired, about five minutes after, literally, I had a bride call me and say, you have to do my weddings. Do you do weddings? And I said, I guess I do now. So I jumped and I did my first wedding. Thereafter, the business started getting more and more. So by that time, I had at my own, well, I shared a kitchen at the general store in Marine. Yeah. So I think at that point, when the wedding started coming in and we started having different revenue streams, it wasn't just farmer's markets anymore. And were you, having not been in the business world, did you know when that moment was that you were having that tipping point or... Did you struggle around in it just trying to, did you have everyone you know making pies with you until you finally were like, wow, I need to get some help here? Um, I'm pretty stubborn, so I did everything myself for a long time. And I, it wasn't until I was in Marine that I actually had my first employee, which was Caitlin. Yep. Um, she came downstairs and saw that I was struggling to start again at a new location and, you know, because I had so much to do. And she said, I have two days. You can have me two days a week. And so at that point, that's when I really started to have bigger business as well. But I think I didn't know what I was had gotten myself into, honestly, because I didn't have any, you know, any business background. And I just was having so much fun making pie and that people wanted it. It was so exciting. But and can, this is a at what point has that what, at what point did that wear off? The, like, I'm having so much fun oh. part to, oh, wow, this is a business. And I'm, he was here too. And yeah. this is obviously maybe where he comes in. But when my, one of the triplet boys, Cody, said to me, my babysitter feels more like my mom than you do. That was just one of those moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is kind of selfish now because I created this company so I could be a mom and earn some money. But now this has become like this huge other entity of my life that now I've not been a mom. So I think at that point, that's kind of when I met Hugh and we had a meeting together. And I think Hugh totally sensed my my anxiety because I was way over my head in business. But I would say what's a lot of happens to a lot of makers, and I think a lot of moms too, is 
that business is pretty fulfilling. Oh, it's very. Yeah. Absolutely. I Yeah, absolutely. Because it defines you in a different way. Yeah. And not that not being a mom, not that being a mom isn't fulfilling, but you know, when you're a mom, there isn't like you've crossed the goal line and you've met that achievement and you're on to the next one. Your kids aren't like, you're the best mom mm-hmm. ever. In fact, if your kids are saying that, you're probably not the best mom ever. In business, there were real clear goals. You're making money. There's revenue. Mm-hmm. There's things that really feel sustainable. Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I agree. So, Hugh, tell me about your background and how you and Sarah met and when you came on board. Sure. Yeah, I had uh, over a 15-year career at General Mills and mostly in, uh, you know, brand marketing. And I managed brands like Totino's and Pillsbury Toaster Strudel and Chex Mix. brands. Yeah, so just, you know, kind of your classic CPG food marketing background. And I left there in 2011, and I was doing a lot of consulting work, but I still kind of had that yearning to, you know, be back in brand management, but I didn't want to go back to a big company. You know, I wanted to do it uh, more in the realm of potentially having an ownership stake. And so I was looking for a little bit of that opportunity, but it's not as easy to find, you know, I mean, you need to find a brand and a product line that you really believe in. And I think more importantly, you need to find a person that you really believe in, Um, you know, somebody with kind of, you know, the leadership qualities and the work ethic and the level of integrity that, that, you know, can, you know, take that company places. And so, you know, I'd had a couple of false starts, but then I, uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours, it's actually the guy that does our store locator on our website, Ryan Furness. With yeah, he's been you. on the air. Yeah. Awesome so, brands. So he knew both of us and, and he, you know, he said to me, Hey, you got to meet Sarah Hayden, you know, and I think just thinking at the time, you know, maybe she could use some consulting help or what have you. And so we set up a, a lunch date and I think that conversation went a lot longer probably than we both intended. But I think the more we talked, you know, the more we realized, hey, maybe there's a bigger opportunity here for both of us. Um, Some of these questions are going to be pretty candid. And if you don't want to answer, I always tell people just say I'm not comfortable sharing that. It's not the end of the world. But a hard part for a lot of business owners, Sarah, is to bring someone in because they maybe are just starting to make money or they don't have money to bring in someone. Were you at the point when you brought Hugh in that you were already making a little bit of money that you could afford to bring another person in? Or did that mean you had to go without in order to sustain him? I couldn't afford his his skill set and his knowledge, so we did an equity-based. Okay. That is a great way to do that, too. But a lot of people, again, are afraid to give up that control. So I think that's super smart because now you're as invested in it, Hugh, as she is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's the joy of, of you know, working on something that, that you have an ownership stake in every day, which is great. And, you know, right now I'm just, I'm about half time with Sarah and mm-hmm. Tipsy Pies and the other half time I'm still doing the consulting because I still have bills to pay and so yeah, forth. Of course. But, you know, the dream is, you know, we can grow the business to a point where, Maybe I can continue to spend more and more time on it and eventually get to full time and and I'll be a you know a real full time partner with Sarah. You guys are in a commercial kitchen right now, making your pies. How many days a week are you making and we have production three days a week, okay, and then um I'm there two days a week on my own. I do wedding consults and yep, our wholesale business stuff on the three days a week that people are making pies, how many people are making them, and do you still make them? Um, there are three of them making pies, and I just oversee. I don't, I don't make them as much as I used to, but I am still present. Yeah, to make sure. And Hugh, have you ever made pie? I have. You know, during the state <laughs> fair this year, I think we had every hand on oh deck making pie because we just, you know, the success was beyond our wildest dreams this Let's year. Let's talk so. about that. Um, I, 
I saw you at the state fair and I was kind of surprised you were in the food building. And tell me about that application process because it's very rigorous and I was impressed that you'd made it in. Yeah. So once again, I was at Twin Cities Live Catering and I just love that the security guard guy. We always have these great conversations and he, he, one conversation we had was, you should apply for the state fair because I know this lady who made cookies and she started out just like you one. Sweet Martha, yeah, sure. Right? And so I got home and I just filled out the application and I'm kind of embarrassed when I think about the fact that I didn't spend hours and hours and days and days. I just jumped. And then six weeks later, I got the phone call that I got in. Which is so odd because right. that it's process. It's a five-year wait. Typically. And it's very covert, right? So, and and it's a private. It, it's it's a very complicated process that they go through, and not everybody understands the process. So, I'm so impressed that you were able to get in there in the six week period. And did you know right away, like, wow, this is going to be way more than I thought? And you've got a perishable product on their pies. Tell me about the planning for that and how it changed your business, really. Well, we had, I think we had six, well, six, six weeks before the fair. Um, but by the time we kind of got our head straight, we had, you know, five, five weeks to make. Yeah. And they said that we would sell between a thousand and f- between 800 and, and 800 and 1200 pies a day is what their range was. Yep. And they know their numbers. I mean, they were pretty much spot on. Yep. So we knew we had to have about, you know, 12,000 pies ready for the fair. So we just started making pies. I mean, it was crazy. We made pie all the time three years ago. Plus, we had to build out our spot. So that was the other piece of it. So it it was a a big learning curve for me to delegate. I couldn't do it all. So we had to kind of, you know, try to learn as we go and have people kind of take over. And what pies did you sell at the fair the first year? Uh, the first year we sold uh, maple bacon, Irish apple, boozy, no, wait, Irish apple. Salted caramel apple, boozy blueberry lemon. Apple. And uh, But then the, the new product this year that was such a huge hit was the brown ale, onion, and gouda. Which was a savory pie, mm-hmm. and it sounds like, I mean, I hadn't thought of that that would be such a unique opportunity to go into the savory pie market. And Hugh, you'd mentioned that you guys are doing more of that. Yeah, I think the state fair was really kind of our first big test with that. And, you know, we had six flavors at the at the fair and the onion gouda was our one savory flavor. And we almost 50 percent of our pies sold were the onion and gouda. So Mm -hmm. it was just a huge hit. And I think, you know, that really kind of showed us the power of savory. And that's one of the great things I think about the state fair is it's really kind of a new product incubator. You know, we can try new flavors and see how they do. And, And two years ago, you know, Sarah debuted boozy blueberry lemon at the fair and we just launched that flavor now into retail you know knowing that because two years ago that was the best selling flavor at the fair and it's already you know we just kind of relaunched the brand at retail about a month ago and that's already that that flavor is doing really well so it's great to kind of have that incubator Mm -hmm. one of the things that i've been wanting to ask you is these are hand pies yep it's a very difficult fragile product really i mean so You've changed your packaging. How did you go from this hand pie that you're making in your kitchen to then a commercial kitchen to now being for sale in grocery? Like, what does that look like? And how do you make it so that the product gets home in a complete way? 
a lot of trial and error just because I didn't know what I was doing. I remember walking into Kowalski's and showing the manager the shrink-wrapped pie with a little label on top, and he had said, I don't think that's going to work for us. And he said, come back when you have a box. And I didn't want to be in a box. I wanted to be different. You need to be in a box if you're a perishable item like right. high crust. And so then we had, I hired a company and then they made the first box and, uh, you know, designed it. And that was, you know, much better. I remember going back to Kowalski's and showing him my box and he's like, oh, much better, Sarah. You know, so it's just been an evolution. And then, you know, meeting Hugh, this is. Because this is probably your wheelhouse, right, Hugh? Yeah, I think that's, you know, one of my focuses for the business is the retail area and. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we just kind of relaunched the whole brand of retail. So we have new packaging that we feel like, you know, r- really is more of a reflection of, of our brand personality, you know, and brighter colors. Are people colors finding you in the fun. freezer section at retail? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we uh, we revamped the flavor lineup, you know, and we brought in blueberry lemon and uh, and we upsized the pies a little bit as well. And one of the things we were finding is we had room to give the consumer a little bit more price value. And one of the pieces of consumer feedback we're also hearing is, hey, you know, even though this is the pie for adults, sometimes that, you know, I'm sharing it with another adult and it would be great to just have, you know, a few more bites. So so we really looked at a lot of different sizes and uh, we, we found that we were able to bring, you know, something that's about 30, 40% larger than what we were doing in retail and what we do at events um, and, and, you know, kind of provide that better value. So we're excited about that. Have you ever thought about a pie truck or a pie pop-up or something mobile? Mm-hmm. Yes, lately. A like lot. A, a every giant. day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like a giant billboard to promote your product and mm-hmm. um, people re- love well, pie. And it's really hard for us to be at events and just bring pie because yeah. weather dictates sales a lot of the time. We were just at the Renaissance and it was so hot and we didn't sell much of anything. We lost 300 pies. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they're in the garbage. Because it was too hot. And so if we could bake on site or in a trailer, then we could just serve fresh hot pie. And Mm -hmm. it's just the best way to go. So, yeah, absolutely. And it really is one of the big advantages of sort of being a local company and doing local marketing is there's almost limitless, you know, festivals and event opportunities and farmer's markets and all those things out there. So it's a great opportunity, you know, that we've been leveraging, I think, to get tipsy pies brand out there and create awareness that you know big you know the sarah lee's and the marie calendars of the world they're never going to do that no i wonder too uh savory pies like chicken pot pie is that an obvious possibility have you been toying with some ideas like that well for six years that's all i've heard is people will come to me and they'll say is that a savory pie everybody wants a savory pie steph march does (laughs) she's our savory girl and i'm the sweet yep and so it's always been on my mind so but there's just different rules when you use meat so for me to be at an event i can bake and make any kind of pie Mm -hmm. so yeah we have lots of we have lots of pies coming and maybe like ethnic pies too like a potato curry or a Mm -hmm. sweet potato something like that that's a little more maybe vegan or um, we had a vegan pie at the fair and it was i mean i thought we'd sell like 300 of them and we sold over was it 800 yeah vegan pies and they were like the most wonderful population of pie eaters ever. I mean, they sent us videos and thank you notes. They're and... really appreciative wow. of having vegan yeah. awesome. products. Yeah. Next year we're making more yeah. for them. So when you think about, go ahead, Hugh. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I think on the savory front, you know, we feel like it's a huge opportunity. It's potentially a bigger opportunity even than the sweet pies. Yeah. And 
especially at retail, but you know, it is, it's no small step. I mean, even at retail, it's a different category, you know, it's frozen entrees as opposed to frozen desserts. So, you know, we need to go in there with another four SKUs and it's a whole nother marketing effort. And so and people, I don't it, think really think about that mm-hmm. when like you're in my, sh- I know, cause I'm sitting in this chair and I've heard this before, but it's all of a sudden you're in a whole new category. And while it would seem similar, the competition's different, the way you market, it's different. Um, people maybe are a little more, uh, take a little more chances on something sweet and fun versus their their frozen section. I mean, that shelf space is pretty premium. Yeah. So, and we, you know, we since the fair, we've gotten so many requests for, you know, where can we buy that onion gouda pie? You know, why isn't it in grocery stores? And so I guess we're just, we'll get there, but we're asking people to have a little patience with us. And right now, you either can get them through me or you can go to Fulton Tap Room because they have mm-hmm. them on their food truck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's been another great outlet for us. And we've been, you know, playing with Fulton and making different pies with their beer. And that's yeah. been really fun, too, when working with Scott. I was going to say, and with Scott Pampu there, I'm sure he's yep. crazy about trying to find some other unique mm-hmm. opportunities. Um, if Is there, when you think about, like, oh, I can't believe how much time I spent having to learn that horrible lesson, is there a lesson that you learned? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> so my biggest one is that I need to trust my gut. And sometimes I let my um, loyalty towards people get in my way. And um, at the fair this year, we had that issue happen. And um, I knew something might turn out bad, and it did. Yeah. But because I wanted to honor my commitment to someone, I I went forward with the commitment, and it didn't turn out. So it made me very angry because I honor my commitments to people, and I believe in supporting local and but I have to, got to start trusting my gut more because I am typically right with my numbers when I want to bake. Sometimes I'll think, well, maybe I should bake a little bit more. And then I bake more and then I don't sell it. But right. I was right when my initial thought, I need to trust me. I know my business. I know numbers. I just have to trust me. Was there something that you thought was going to be easy, but it was way harder than you thought it would be? Wholesale. I just didn't think it would be that hard to be in a grocery store, and I didn't understand all the trade deals. I didn't understand margins. Yeah. And that there's a lot of pay-to-play that goes on in the grocery yeah. industry, that many of them are making as much money or more on the deals of with working with the food companies and what their shelf space is worth versus how much they're making off you going through the line. And, you know, we have a lot of younger companies want to talk to us about wholesale, and I always caution them because it just because you're in a grocery store doesn't mean you're raking in. Right. And you have to be really careful and you have to know your numbers. I mean, we had, I had a, um, a big check that was supposed to come in. And when I opened it up and ironically it was on April fool's day, I opened up this (laughs) big check and my big check was for $19 when it should have been over a thousand some dollars. And it was because I just didn't, realize how much trade deals add up and buybacks and i just didn't know yeah i can yeah i can totally see that happening the worst april fool's joke ever (laughs) (laughs) that's really that's a lesson that you'd Mm -hmm. learn um let's talk about social media and marketing is that you it's become a big thing for a lot of marketers and particularly the minnesota made and the maker movement 
Instagram is a big part of that. Are is that a big area for you, or are people excited about pie on Instagram? And yeah, absolutely. And I think you know one of the great things about Sarah is she's actually very social media savvy. You know, and that was happening you know long before I ever got involved. So we, I think, we have a great presence across all of our social media channels, and Sarah's really active with it. We do at sort of peak times, you know, around the fair when Sarah's really busy doing other things and. You know, we'll bring in, we brought in some external resources mm-hmm. to make sure that we're continuing to do what we need to do. Um, and I think, you know, any good marketing plan is just works in synchronicity. All the elements work in synchronicity. So it's not just social media. It's, you know, what are we doing with PR and, you know, what are we doing with other elements as well? And so this year at the fair for the first time, we we brought in a, a PR consultant and it was, you know, somebody that was really familiar with the fair. Brianna Shewitt is her name. She did. Oh, yeah. She inc- used to work at the fair for years. Yeah, you know? right. So she just, she grew up at the fair. So she knew all the ins and outs and she did an incredible job for us. So just kind of the combination of all those things along with, you know, Sarah just, you know, creating, you know, a masterpiece of a pie, you know, that, that was new this year. And I think that just enables us. We literally triple our volume at the fair this year versus last year. Oh, that's so great. Sarah, how did you learn social media? Five kids? um actually it was a a jen swan who uh, is now in florida but she um is just this amazing businesswoman mom and uh she was actually one of the first big chunks of money i ever spent was four hundred dollars and um she spent a couple days with me and taught me about twitter and instagram and i remember being so afraid of hashtags and pushing that send button just because what happens if it wasn't the right hashtag and, you know, all that anxiety, but you just got to jump. I really appreciate that, that you, because I think people, it's a, it's a valuable opportunity to learn some new skills mm-hmm. and you can either hire someone to do it for you, which is fine, but sometimes you just got to get in there. And I have, as part of the consulting business that I've done, you know, just like, if you really want to do this yourself, let's just spend a couple hours and I'll teach you what to do and you'll figure it out and you'll make some mistakes. Um, the first time I ever started doing social media for someone, I used a hashtag that was would have been like click in the bio, right? Because you can't click through on Instagram. Well, some smart porn lady has used that hashtag. It's hers. So when you say click in bio with the hashtag, it goes to her site. <laughs> and my <laughs> client was like, Hey, have you ever clicked on that hashtag? And I'd used it a ton. Oh, no. I was like, no, I never have. She's like, you might want to. And boy, did we laugh. Oh. <laughs> so you just That's learn, funny. you know, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I better look up all of these and literally eyeball them before, our, you know, or when you're doing a hashtag thinking you're being funny and then it becomes something like completely else that isn't what mm-hmm. you thought. Um, in terms of the general marketing, how do you like do you do the not and is the wedding industry a big driver for you? So at this point, I don't really do any paid advertising for my weddings. I do my Instagram and my yep. pictures and my Pinterest and I my brides are my my marketers. So when we sit down and we have our pie tasting, I tell them I don't spend money giving marketers money to say nice things about me. What means more to me is that you write a review afterwards. Smart. And you tell me, tell them what your experience was with me and get good or bad. I mean, we, I want to hear, you know, if there's some criticism or something, I want to know because I want to be better. I, I, you know, I want it to be a great service and 
so far we've had really great reviews and, and I don't overextend myself with my weddings. I'm really two weddings per weekend. That's it. Mm-hmm. Too important. Can't make it up to somebody on their wedding day. Yeah, goes wrong. exactly. That's important. a good strategy. Do you feel like Pinterest is a good place to be for food marketers? Or is it primarily because the wedding side? Um, I think Pinterest, kind of just the wedding side of it. I don't do a lot with Pinterest anymore. I stick with, I like Twitter and I like my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I like Facebook just because I grew up kind of, you know, like when I started doing social media, it was Facebook first and then I did Twitter and then Instagram. I learned that that was my last one. Yep. So when you think about Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, is there a way that you use those differently or do you like put something on Instagram and then automatically populate it to Twitter so that you're repurposing content or do you treat treat each individually? I do them individually because I don't like when people reuse. I feel like it's a little bit lazy. Yep. So I'm I'm kind of fussy about what I post. So when I do really cool pictures, it's Instagram. If it's an, something that I want to tell people about, like a sale or a location, I use Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Facebook is kind of a combined. Yeah, that's, I think, a good strategy just based on what I know about how to use it. And it's always changing. It moves so fast. It's a really fast space. Um, Hugh, when you think about brands in the marketplace that you admire or that you're like, wow, if we could just do it like them, mm-hmm. who are those? Uh, that's always a great question. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think even as just as we think about local brands and that aren't too far away from our space, think about a brand like Johnny Pops. You know, they do such a great job. And I think um, even with our kind of rebranding in the aisle, we took a cue from their packaging. You know, it's bright, it's colorful, it Mm -hmm. stands out at the shelf. Um, You know, I just feel like they have great personality with their brand. And, uh, you know, and they act like a a local business and all the, the, you know, good benefits of that that appeal to people. They started at the farmer's market with me in White Bear six years ago. I can't, uh, there's so many of you that have sat in this chair that started at farmer's markets and I know farmers markets have maybe been a little overexposed lately because there's a farmers market or a maker's market on every corner. Mm-hmm. But I think the pendulum will swing back and we'll get to where we're in the right amount of those types of markets over time. Yeah. Because um, they've really given a lot of people good opportunities. Um, all right. So one last question. Well, it's not, it shouldn't be the last one, but. Something that you spent money on that you were like, oh, I can't believe I spent money on that. What a waste. Um, I did a great big wedding. Um, one of the big wedding shows. Shows, yeah. And it was really, really expensive. And for me, I didn't get a lot of people in return. I think brides get very overwhelmed at those shows and I bet you gave away a lot of product and sampled a lot because people like to eat at Absolutely. the shows. Absolutely. Everybody loves free. Everybody yep. loves that. So for I just didn't see the return for me right at that at that time. Yep. I've, I just do better meeting with my brides. And one-to-one. One-to-one. I saw a, a pie the other day that was a hand pie like yours, but it was in the shape of Minnesota. Have you ever thought about shapes? Because it was real cute. I make them. I do hearts uh, for our weddings. I I did a Viking football player's wedding that did the pies on a stick with the Minnesota. How cute. Very hard to make. Yeah. Very, I had to use tweezers to get the little apples in the tip of the Minnesota because, you know, you have to have a little apple bite with your crust. Yeah. Know? 
But yeah, they are cute. And I love shapes and I love embellishing the pies. And for our bride and grooms, we embellish them with hearts and flowers and different things. So they're kind of dimensional. Oh, yeah. Like 3D. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Any uh, words that you'd like to offer of wisdom as we wrap up? Do you guys listen to podcasts or do you read magazines? How do you find out what's on the cutting edge of what's next? I think for me, you know, you said it earlier, social media. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm a big Twitter fiend as far as, you know, reading and watching what people are saying and doing out there. And so, uh you know, big fan of your podcast, oh, and, and that's a great thanks. way to stay in touch for yeah, sure. We've been especially able on the local to create scene. a pretty interesting community of people of makers, mm-hmm. and I think people listen and they're learning stuff. And when I started my business, oh my gosh, I everyone who called me, like every idea sounded awesome, and I didn't have a lot of money, but I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that, and I'll do that, and I'll do that. And I got to the end of the year, and I was like, wow, I should not have done ninety percent of what I did. The ten percent was gold. And what is it going to be like next year? And it was probably two years of making all of those mistakes where if I have, like, if I sat down with a business owner, I was like, okay, those first 10 calls that you get to spend money on the great marketing opportunity or the great promotional idea, don't. Because you just don't know what you don't know right now. And it's just going to be a while of trial and error. There's a time and place for everything, I think, is... You know? It is. I'm constantly saying that to Sarah. So much of marketing is testing and learning. You it know, really even is. In, even at a Fortune 500 food company, you're talking about testing and learning, yep. and you just never you don't know until you try things. So, I think you have to you have to try small and fail small, and you know, and then you find those things that succeed, and then you start pumping more money into them. And I think that's and who the way knew to do that it. the state fair would be the thing? It's amazing because if you, you and I would have talked about that two years ago, I would have been like, I don't know if that's. A, I mean, obviously, it's a good opportunity to sell, but that it's been an incubator and that the increase in sales has been so strong and that it's driven you into maybe but another it's, category. It's definitely been a learning curve. I mean, last year, you know, year two, we dropped by half of year one because we didn't know how to play the game. Right. There's a diff- there's definitely a business. There's a different way of doing business at the fair than, than anything else that I've ever experienced. And a lot of it, too, is the new. Yeah. You know, like the coupon they, book, too, is amazing. Yeah. I I've heard someone else say that, deal. too, that mm-hmm. they actually doubled their sales by being in the coupon book that I would say. That's yeah. It's, I think it's those well. in combination coupons and, and the new and news, you know, because that's what drives PR. And we got so much great publicity this year and, and just had people literally walking up to us with, you know, the newspaper or whatever, pointing. You and know saying, what I'll I want say this. about that, too, <laughs> because I covered you at mm-hmm. the fair, but I knew you like I as the local as you're working your local PR relationships, if I have 30 new products at the fair and I know five of the people that have those 30, like I already know them, I'm familiar with their product. I might not know the brand that you're offering at the fair, but I have a general idea of what your product's like and that it's going to be a good product. I'm definitely, I can call you. You're going to be like, oh yeah, here's what I'm doing. And we have a relationship that makes all the difference in the world when something like that happens. So you're almost doing your work in advance, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is those relationships and Mm -hmm. it is the relationships of the makers and the marketers in this town that we just, it's such a great place to do food here, which is probably why I talk to food makers a lot because I just think it's so interesting. All right. So we are with Sarah and it's Sarah's Tipsy Pies and Hugh is the general manager, Hugh Williams, Hugh, huge Williams. (laughs) You're huge, Will. Williams, Williams, huge. Uh, I'm doing a Julia Cobbs riff on when we're uh, doing my talk. She never gets anyone's names right. And then she kind of elaborates on it. 
So I'll it's take a joke that one internally. Oh, totally. You're huge, huge. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are talking uh, with Sarah's Tipsy Pies. And when we think about what's next, looking for some new things down the road, potentially savory, it sounds like. Absolutely. And if you have an event, you can find them at sarahstipsypies.com. And I think that just about covers it. Thanks for coming in today. It was really great to talk to you. I think you guys have found a unique marriage, as it were, in that you have um, some great ideas, Sarah, but you're ready to go to the next level. And some Hugh, the business acumen that you bring to the product, I think, is really going to be what launches you. When you think about your five-year plan, because you've been doing this now since 2012, so you've passed or you passed five years. Mm-hmm. When you think about the 10-year plan, then. Are, is it all grocery? Is it less events? Or is it just growing all the product lines that you can? I think it's definitely probably more grocery, larger events, state fair. Yeah, I think the retail yeah. business is definitely, you know, it's always the biggest scalable piece of it yeah. and the biggest opportunity. But I think for us, there's so much opportunity in food service as well. And, yeah, and we talked absolutely. about testing and learning right now. We're testing and learning at a brewery and at an ice cream shop and at a restaurant. And, you know, we're seeing what we can do there as well. Can you imagine if you could get your pies on a college campus, too? Just the amount of, I mean, what 20-year-old kid doesn't love a tipsy pie? We've got an ice cream Mm -hmm. shop in in Afton who has, Selma's, has sold so many pies. It's unbelievable. With ice cream, I bet. Warm pie, fresh baked pie with ice cream. Oh, what a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even like collaborations with mm-hmm. like an Izzy's or, uh, yeah. um, and we love that. That's totally what we've always been about. You know, gather good makes us all great. Yes, it does. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for being Thank my you. guest today. Thanks for having us. You bet.